Today's stories are based on geocaching stories submitted by users. So let's get into it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your stay in room 66. This is why I decided to stop geocaching. It was my day off on a Tuesday, and I decided to go for a geocache hunt as a way to get my mind off things. Usually, I never have to go very far out where I'm from, but in Maine, you can always expect to have to travel at least a mile or two. But this time, this one was a whopping 16 mile hike. I had the entire day to myself, so I decided to go for it. I went to the local store, grabbed some food and water bottles, enough to sustain me for the entire day, made sure to charge my phone at 100%, and took a few screenshots of my GPS on Google Maps just in case my phone had any issues out there and lost signal. I took the 45 minute drive through the national park because technically the geocache was located in the national park, but it was just a mile outside of the boundary, meaning if something happened to me out there, no one is going out of their way to look for me. I parked my car at the park entrance and proceeded to walk through the park all the way to the border from where the park ends to where the forest meets. About 8 miles into my walk, I decided that maybe going this deep was a bad idea. I told myself I was already halfway there and just needed to finish the last 8 miles quickly, and I could make it back before sundown. The sun was still out, but it seemed late because of all the trees that blocked the sun's light. I didn't know why I was so paranoid, but I just had a funny feeling that someone was following me and watching me as I hiked to this cache, to the point where I actually took my AirPods out so I could hear every leaf cracking under my boots as I hiked through the brush. I wanted to hear everything so if something was following me, I would know. I mean, it made sense. I was out in the middle of the forest where wild animals live, there could be wolves, and hell, even the occasional bear. I ended up going down the wrong path, and rather than turn around, I decided to bushwhack through the other side. I didn't think it was that far. I was really wrong. While I was walking, I noticed a child's shoe on the ground and thought to myself, what could a child be doing way out in the woods? Even if they were with a family, the thought of a child hiking these trails seemed nearly impossible. I let the thought go and proceeded to walk the last four miles to the cache. I had already gotten lost earlier, so I was eager to make it already. There I go, getting paranoid again. I just kept getting this bad feeling going to the cache, but I had already made up my stubborn mind to keep going since I was almost already there. I kept thinking, why was there no reviews on this cache or any information on it? All these things kept processing in my head as I got closer and closer to the mark on the map. About a mile out of the way from the cache, I noticed a sheep behind a larger boulder off to the right of the trail. And to be honest, I probably wouldn't have noticed it if it wasn't sticking out from the back of the boulder. So me being as nosy as I am, went off the trail to get a side peek of what it was. It was a bed, made out of dirty sheets and blankets with a jug of water next to it. Was someone actually living out here? The spot looked pretty reckless with old women magazines and newspapers torn and spread throughout their campsite. But
But the most disturbing part was the other toddler's shoe that was placed upright in the middle of the bed and little red smudges that I had assumed to be blood all over the shoe, as if you took a wet paintbrush and flung it towards the wall, it would leave all these little freckles of blood. I couldn't tell myself if it was blood, so I pretended it was something else and proceeded to the cache. I finally reached the destination, and I'm looking all over the place for this cache. It's supposed to be right here, I told myself. After 10 minutes of searching, I zoom into my screenshot and notice I'm just a few trees shy from the actual cache. Finally, I see the fresh dug up dirt right in front of the tree, but I also notice a strange pile of leaves that were in front of where I had to walk over to reach the cache. These didn't look like leaves that just fell from a tree. Someone piled them there. It was just so unnaturally placed. So I looked around for a stick to kind of wipe the leaves away. But when I poked into the stack, the stick just went through. So I dropped the stick and it fell into the pile of leaves, all the way into a nine foot hole. After all this processed in my mind, it finally clicked. This was a trap. The geocache ad, the hole in the ground, the campsite less than a mile away. I booked it. I've never ran so fast in my life. As I'm running back, I see a man hiding in the bushes to my left as if he had been watching me hike my way to the cache. I doubt he knows I saw him, but I just kept running. Nothing was stopping me until I reached the door handle on my car. I drove to the ranger station and told them everything I saw. They said I was lucky the sun was still out and I could see how unnaturally the leaves were placed. If it was nighttime, this could have been a whole different story. Turns out there was a toddler that went missing in the park. The parents turned their head for one minute and the child was gone in the next. I never heard any follow-ups of what they found. I just know I won't be geocaching ever again. My wife and I went to St. Simons Island, Georgia for our honeymoon, where we stayed for a week. On the sixth day, we were bored. We did everything we possibly could do on the island in just the first few days we were there. So we decided we would ask the hotel front desk for any suggestions on things to do. We explained we had done everything on the island and we wanted something new. So she asked us if we knew about geocaching. She explained to us what we needed to download to get going. So we decided we'd play a game of geocaching at the beach. Geocaching is a quest where strangers hide objects and post GPS coordinates of said objects online so others can find them. Trish, my wife, and I found a small box just under a palm tree, maybe only a mile away from our hotel. Here comes the shocking part. What we found inside the box was our engagement picture, along with an unmarked red pill and some sort of an mp3 player. Right after we found the cache, an unknown girl came out of nowhere and told us to run and to throw away the cache. A few minutes later, after my wife and I hid, Three Arabic men came out and dragged the woman into the nearby forest. Once we knew it was safe, we ran back into the hotel, packed our things, and left. When we got back to Atlanta, I did what I assumed most of you would do. I called the St. Simons police and told them about the picture. The officer said that he was opening a case and that I should have called about the cash earlier, and that he was going to forward the case to his buddy in Atlanta. I also plugged the MP3 player into my Mac and found that there was only one audio file in it. It was a man speaking in a language that sounded like either Hebrew or Arabic. 
I have a good friend that's actually from Israel, so I immediately sent him the file to see if he could recognize the language. I wanted to ask our family doctor about the red capsule, so I scheduled our yearly checkup as an excuse to take the pill. He had no idea what the capsule was, though he said it reminded him of some generic brand from the Middle East. He said he could ask his colleagues if I really wanted to know, so I left the pill with him. After a few days of complete paranoia, I decided that it was time to resume our normal lives. As you know, we've been through a lot of crazy shit and giving in to thinking too much would make us go crazy. So I forced myself and Trish to go to the gym just to clear our thoughts. That's when I found out that clearing thoughts would be the last thing I'd do that day. The workout went well and we were both feeling better. Our house was about 15 minutes away from LA Fitness where we went. While I was driving back home, I had a feeling that the car behind me was flashing its high beams. You know, when the cars behind you go over the speed bumps or a pothole, and you don't know if they're flashing you, but it's just going up and down? I didn't know either, so I disregarded it. It was only when the car pulled behind us in our driveway that I realized that they were really following us. Stay inside the car, I told Trish, who didn't realize what was happening. I got out of the car and was blinded by the light. When the lights shut off, I was ready. Man, I was pissed. I just wanted a normal life, and these people, whoever they are, they were messing with my wife's and my well-being. I was pissed. Get the hell out, I yelled loud enough to the whole neighborhood could hear me. The car door opened, and you know who it was? The girl from the beach. The girl who told us to run. You? I asked, genuinely surprised, but relieved at the same time. Trish came out of the car when she saw who it was. God, it was hell to find you, she said in a thick accent. Well, how did you find us? And what happened to you that night? I was sure. Look, we don't have time for that right now. Tell me, did you lose the cash like I told you? She asked. I, I took it with us. But why was it so important? Oh shit, she said. You shouldn't have done that. Now they know where you are. They're probably coming right now. But tell me this, I need you to be honest with me. Did Trish take that capsule? The girl asked with the most genuine face of anticipation. I glanced at Trish, who looked equally amounts puzzled and terrified. Why would I take it? She asked with tears in her eyes. Good, did you destroy it? The woman asked with a raised voice. But hold on, why would Trish take? I was interrupted by a car pulling into our driveway. It was a black Ford with very dark tinted windows. The girl ran up to me and grabbed me by my shirt. Listen to me. I need you to listen to me right now. They found you. I could feel the hair on my arms raise. You need to resist them. Don't speak. Don't acknowledge them. Resist if you want Trish to live. I didn't even notice Trish squeezing my left arm so hard it was turning red. A man in a black gown and an even darker beard walked out of the car. He was followed by the two men in white. Don't speak, was what the girl whispered as the men walked up to me. The man got out about two feet in front of me and stopped. He stared at the girl for a few seconds and then started speaking loudly, looking at me. It was that language again. I resisted the urge to tell him to go screw himself. This time, I was going to listen to the girl. The man spoke for literally five minutes. It was surreal, listening to Arabic or whatever it was ring through my driveway. He then got into my face and started yelling. I clenched my fist so tight it was painful. He pulled out a red capsule. 
I could hear my wife starting to break down, and all I could do is stand still. But then, in the tornado of unknown words, this person was screaming at me. I picked up, Trisha, and I lost it. It was like a bull seeing red. All of the reasoning had escaped my mind. I clenched my fist even harder, and I swung. My punch landed right on the man's chin, knocking him to the ground. Now, I gotta tell you, I was shocked. The last time I really fought was in high school. I'm a big guy, but violence is always my last resort. But when this man was screaming my wife's name in my face, I couldn't take it anymore. As soon as the man hit the ground, I told Trish to run in the house. The girl grabbed her hand and they both ran to the door. I was prepared. This is it, I thought. I swear. The two men in white ran to their leader, I assume, and picked him up. He was conscious but bleeding out of his mouth. He stepped towards me. At that point, my adrenaline was through the roof. I had a feeling I could fight all three of them off. The man took another step towards me and stopped. He looked at my house where he could see Trish and the girl hiding in the window. He looked back at me. You fool, he said quietly. Then he turned around and walked back to the car. Ten seconds later, the men were gone. I couldn't believe it. I was ready to die, and now they're just gone. When the adrenaline roared off, I ran into the house. The girl was giving Trish some water at the dining room table. Did you call the police? I asked from the front door. No point, the girl said. They'd never find them. Them? Who are they? I asked as I sat at the table trying to calm down. It is really, really hard to explain, she said. You do realize you have to tell us, I responded frustrated and still winded. I have to leave now, but I will tell you this. There are organizations. Well, not really organizations, more like groups of people in this world, who have certain prediction powers. Prediction powers? What the hell are you talking about? I know how absurd it sounds, but it doesn't make it any less true. These groups, they use, I don't know what you call them, algorithms or something to predict certain things. Things like what? Asked Trish, who seemed to have calmed down a bit. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you. They seemed to believe that you were some sort of importance if they were willing to travel all this way. This means they'll be back, I said. Probably not. There are a lot of people that they're after, but if they do ever come back, you must resist them. But the capsule? And how do you know all of this? What is... My phone started ringing. I would have ignored it, but it was the, our doctor's office. Excuse me for a minute, I said as I walked outside of the porch. I hate to have to do this over the phone, but I'm afraid we'll need to see Trish for some additional tests. Those words came like fucking punches through the phone. For what? What is it? Well, we ran basic blood tests on both of you, and it looks like Trish's blood work came back with some red flags. Some tumor markers came back, and well, we just need to run additional tests. It's most likely nothing, but we have to make sure. I started lowering the phone down, but the doctor spoke again. I'll see you both tomorrow then. My colleague recognized that capsule. It's actually a generic version of Tamiflixin, the medicine commonly given to breast cancer patients to lower estrogen. Why would... I hung up. I couldn't listen to him anymore. Nothing mattered other than Trish. When I walked back in the house, Trish was sitting alone at the table. Where's the girl? She left. I couldn't stop her, she said. It's okay, I said. Look, the doctor just called and... 
My phone rang again. It was a Facebook message. Of course, I wouldn't give a fuck about it, but it was from my Israeli friend who I sent the audio to. Hold on a second, I said as I opened it. I will read you guys the message here. Hey man, yeah, you're right. That is Hebrew. Where'd you get this? Some strange shit, dude. Anyways, this is basically what it says, not word for word, but oh well. We understand that you will most likely not believe us. We understand that this is hard for you, but you must find it in your heart to trust us. Your wife, she is sick. She needs help while it's early. You wonder why and how we know these things, but that's not important. What is important is you get her help. She's far too valuable to be lost this early. You must help her. There will be a young woman trying to contact you. She is equal, if not more dangerous, than the disease that is killing your wife. She wants your wife to die. You must stay away from her. She seeks death to those who matter. Be wise. Babe, what is it? Trish asked, not knowing the weight that was about to be put on her shoulders. I ran to the window and looked out. The girl was sitting in the car looking at me. She was smiling. Then she turned on the high beams blinding me and reversed out in the street and out of our life. I don't know who these people were or what they wanted or how they knew, but I am grateful to them. I really am. If there's something wrong with Trish, it's early enough to be treated. That's all that I'm concerned about right now. And maybe when she's healthy again, maybe then I can try to figure out how they knew or why that woman wanted Trish to die. There was a cache listed in a local park slash forest just inside the entrance off the main path. It was listed as a mid-sized container buried near a tree that made a triangle with two other trees. As unhelpful as that is in a forest, I had tried to search for this cache a few times in the past and was determined to close off this park as it was one of the last caches there that I hadn't found. I found a good spot that even had a triangular shape formed out of sticks in the dirt. So I figured, yeah, this is it. I poked in the dirt for a few seconds before I pulled out a small wooden box that had been screwed closed, about the length and width of a computer keyboard. I inspected the box for a few minutes and came to the conclusion that there was no way to open it except for with the screwdriver. I looked around for one or some kind of tool but couldn't find one. I checked the cache description and it didn't mention anything about needing a tool, and no one had mentioned anything but I didn't think too much of it because sometimes people don't put details like that in their logs. It's worth mentioning here that from time to time, I'd catch a whiff of something gross, like old garbage. I spent a few minutes trying to pry the box open with my fingers and flipping it around and shaking it, trying to see if there was some sort of hidden trick to opening it, like a puzzle of some sort. When I would shake the box, I could tell something was inside because there was a dull thud and I could tell that whatever was inside occupied most of the space both width-wise and length-wise. I finally noticed that whenever I shook the box and listened close to my head, the smell got stronger. I had assumed at first that something had died nearby and possibly had come into contact with the box. It wasn't until I made the connection between the dull thud inside the box, the fact that whatever was inside the box took up most of the space, and the smell that I realized I had inadvertently dug up and horribly desecrated somebody's pet grave, most likely a cat. I felt awful. I quickly put the tiny coffin back in the ground, covered it up, and cut my session short. 
When I got home, I PM'd the owner asking where exactly the cache was, and they replied with the location. I let them know that it seemed to be dangerously close to a grave, but nothing ever came of it. And I seemed to be the only dummy that dug it up, so whatever I guess.